The Global Economy and India Taking Stock and Assessing the Outlook Conclusions Paper November 2020 In conversation with Stephanie Flanders Senior Executive Editor Bloomberg Economics Abhishek Gupta Indian Economist at Bloomberg Economics Estimates suggest that the global economy may shrink by 3 to 4% in 2020 the steepest slowdown since the great depression of the 1930s government borrowings are at levels not seen since world war 2 and the consequences for money supply fiscal stability inflation and labor markets among others are considerable unequal recovery paths across the us europe and china are exacerbating disparities and international fault lines The outlook is further clouded by uncertainties stemming from the US elections and its consequent impact on the world economic, trade and geopolitical architecture. All of this will have ramifications for the Indian economy as well. At a recent India CFO forum session, Stephanie Flanders, senior executive editor Bloomberg Economics and Abhishek Gupta, Indian economist at Bloomberg Economics, provided an assessment of the impact of covid-19 on the global economy global supply chains labor markets and government finances they also offered a perspective on the indian economy and a forward view on what to expect in the coming months taking pulse of the global recovery rekindling economic activity has been a challenge for advanced and emerging economies alike with the pandemic surging over the last few months in may and june the global economy started to climb from the depths to which it had plunged in april but a recovery to pre-covid levels remained elusive this year the hit to gdp in the advanced economies will be in the range of 8% while for the rest of the world it will be around 4%. China remains the exception having done exceptionally well in managing the crisis and achieving a reasonably balanced recovery. Everywhere there is a sharp growth divergence between goods and services. The countries that are doing well are largely being driven by strong goods side recoveries while those reliant on services such as the UK have been at a disadvantage. Going into the winter, Germany, whose initial response to the crisis was seen as highly efficient, is facing similar challenges to those ahead of the UK and France. Bloomberg's analysis indicates that a pronounced double-dip W-shaped recession is taking place around the world, led by countries like France. In the US too, economic activity levels have slowed down with a gradual uptick in the caseload. Ahead of the US election results, it was presumed that a divided Congress with the Democrat as president but Republicans in control of the Senate would bode poorly for the economy, making it harder to achieve the sort of fiscal stimulus America urgently needs. However, investors soon realized that a bidden victory was actually good news. Markets tend to go up after a US election, but signals from the usually antagonistic Senate majority leader Mitch McConnell suggests that there is room for a meaningful stimulus. Investors are reassured that the prospect of sweeping tax increases have ebbed with the divided leadership. Moreover, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has indicated that the Fed 
targeting a 2% inflation rate will continue its quantitative easing. Given the scale of the shock from COVID-19, most countries are expected to face both a level and a growth hit, similar to the aftermath of the global financial crisis. Bloomberg's research suggests that several industries will suffer disproportionately. These include metals and mining, leisure products, real estate, oil and gas and coal, discretionary retail, aerospace and defense, gaming and lodging and restaurants, and consumer staples distributors. A large-scale labor reallocation has occurred on the basis of these shifts, which is expected to have a lasting impact in terms of prolonged unemployment in many developed economies. Long-term issues. In response to the crisis, central banks in developed economies have gone down to or even beyond the zero interest rate bound, mainly via asset purchases of government bonds. Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey said earlier in the year that the enormous jump in UK government borrowing would not have been possible without the support of central banks, which went the extra mile to ensure normal functioning of the market. The scale of borrowing seen in the last few months on a monthly basis equal amounts that would previously happen in a whole year. As a share of GDP, bond buying and budget deficits have increased hand-in-hand this year as a result of COVID-19 alone. This might pose challenges to the independence of central banks or alternatively encourage much-needed coordination. According to Bloomberg Economics, the additional growth that the US has achieved in the past few years relative to, say, Europe, has been driven mainly by immigration, rising labor supply, and investment. If, as expected, these factors weaken over time, the U.S. is likely to move towards a lower long-term growth path, even assuming extraordinary total factor productivity growth. Consequently, the U.S.'s role as both a leading driver of global growth and a key source of economic momentum will weaken. China would do well to average 3-4% to 4% growth over the next 30 years. Its shrinking labor force distinguishes it to some extent from India. Moreover, it is unlikely to be able to drive the kind of capital-intensive growth path it has had in the past. In an admittedly unlikely extreme decoupling scenario, where China decouples not just from the US but also from America's allies, its baseline potential growth would fall over the next few years. This would impact the broader efficiency and growth benefits that it has reaped from the full panoply of relationships built as a result of its WTO membership, including strong ties with the US and its allies. It is striking to note that President Xi Jinping has been focusing on the dual circulation model in the recent five-year plans, whereby China would both export and import more from the rest of the world. The focus of China's policy has predominantly been on domestic innovation and domestic market growth, but this slight shift in predisposition is perhaps a response to concerns about the future, maybe hedging its bets. The Indian Economy and COVID-19 COVID-19 pushed the Indian economy into a tailspin with GDP contracting by 24% year-on-year in the June quarter, the steepest fall among all major economies. 
India's poor economic performance can be attributed to two factors. First, India enforced one of the world's most stringent lockdowns in March and was slow to lift the restrictions. Second, India has been following what is effectively a contractionary fiscal policy, although it did announce a comprehensive stimulus package amounting to 10% of GDP actual government spending has fallen, not risen. It took more than six months for India to flatten the curve, much longer than in other major economies. However, many of these countries are now reeling under a second or third wave of COVID-19, while the active caseload in India has dropped to half a million. India has gradually reopened its economy and its lockdown stringency index has fallen from 100 in March to about 60 now. Economic activity largely regained pre-COVID levels in September. The key indicator tracked by Bloomberg, which is power demand, is now growing at double-digit rates, while unemployment has dropped to 7%. This suggests strong supply but demand, though slowly improving, remains below pre-COVID levels. Essentially, India's recovery has been led by a buoyant rural economy that was largely immune to the lockdown and supported by a good monsoon and government expenditure. Going forward, it is possible that the government might retract its rural spending, which may slacken the recovery momentum. Regardless, early indicators like the PMI and GST collections herald a continued growth momentum for India into October, partly on account of the festive demand. Currently, Bloomberg forecasts India's GDP to contract by about 7.2% in FY21 and rise by 12.7% in FY22. India's fiscal policy is estimated to have been contractionary to the tune of Rs 2.6 billion, which could pose challenges to the recovery ahead. Also, the RBI's large injection of liquidity into the banking system and high fuel taxes have stoked inflation. However, inflation is expected to start to decline soon and will average to 4 to 5% over the course of the next 12 months, which is only mildly above the RBI's 4% target. Given that inflation is unlikely to revert to the 4% midpoint target, Bloomberg expects the Monetary Policy Committee to deliver a 50 basis point rate cut in February 2021. It is likely that the repo rate will be further lowered to 3% by the middle of next year, given the relatively dovish composition of the MPC committee. The Indian rupee should continue to appreciate in the months ahead, drawing impetus from India's current account surplus, which is forecast to be 2.4% of GDP in FI21. The shift from a current account deficit to a large surplus is also driving up the RBI's foreign exchange reserves, which are currently at 560 billion US dollars and expected to touch 630 billion US dollars by the end of FI22. The fact that the RBI will continue to absorb this surplus will limit the degree to which the rupee might appreciate.